This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. Can you believe that the last season of Succession is upon us? I'm overwhelmed with excitement and dread, both because our time with the Roys and their crew will soon be over, and in anticipation of how they're going to end this brilliant Shakespearean saga. Now, I've been wanting to talk to Justine Loop for many seasons now. Her character of Willa is, for me, one of the most fascinating and mysterious characters on the show, and Justine Loop plays her with such strength. At the beginning of Succession, Willa was really put through the ringer by the Roy family, sneered at for her background as an escort and playwright, but slowly and with quiet dignity, Willa has become part of the Roy family inner circle. And now Connor and Willa are newly engaged, and Connor making a run for president. Can't wait to dive into that relationship with Justine in our conversation. Loop studied at Juilliard and has worked with the likes of Noah Baumbach, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Besides Succession, you've seen her in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She worked with Brendan Gleeson for three years on Mr. Mercedes. At one point, she was filming three TV shows at once. We talked just a few days after Justine and the whole Succession crew had had a fabulous premiere party in New York. A bittersweet evening, a fantastic celebration for the upcoming last season, but also an emotional goodbye to the Succession era. Why does everyone ask how I'm feeling? I got done a huge deal. I got the election. I got ATN. Got plenty on my plate. He's on the floor, Tom. Explain to me what he's doing. He's moseying, terrifyingly moseying. It's like if Santa Claus was a hitman. We were cut out behind our backs. But there's a shape for things for us. We partner up with Sandy and Stewie, with Pierce. Death wrestling ogres. Excited to get into this knife fight? Let's blow it up. I'm not authorized to let you take off. It's that. You know, in Buddhism, sometimes your greatest tormentor can also be your most perceptive teacher. Mm-hmm. Hey, Buddha, nice Tom Forts. There's a night of the long knives coming. I need a fire breather. Your help with maths. You really want me? I need you. Mr. Mankin, my most unworthy opponent. Still clinging to your slice of pie. Where are you at now? One percent. The fear is... Uh, it could get squeezed. Squeezed down mm-hmm. from one, because that's the lowest number. Justine Loop, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Congratulations on the reviews coming in. It's near the end, and the only thing that's giving me some pause in in the depression that you're ending is seeing all the photos and videos from last Tuesday when you guys seem to have such a blast on the dance floor with dancing to Carly Rae Jepsen. You guys are just a real family. How was that? I know. It was so fun. It's so funny. My brother sent me a tweet that he saw that said something about like Justine, Luke, 
like uh dancing to uh call me maybe like it's the best song she's ever <laughs> she's ever heard it's like too good um yeah no it was amazing I'm so glad that we had that night together I, we all love each other so much and um and yeah I think you know it was just a it was such a nice opportunity to like have this kind of cathartic um ceremonial type of like we love each other um experience I'm really glad it turned into a dance party because it was not you know set up to be a dance party but um a few of us just started going for it and I'm glad that everybody joined in and it was so cool to see Jesse Armstrong in the middle of it all and join in and um yeah I, I think that those videos really capture how much we care about each other and and it was kind of this bittersweet ceremonial kind of oh it must be yeah I mean you're such a family who, who lets loose the most and in a thing like that not to I think Sarah Sarah uh Sarah and I I think that night I said to her as we started dancing I was like I can't believe this is maybe one of the last times you're gonna dance together because at any party if I find Sarah we both love dancing so so much that if I find her and no one else is dancing she'll she'll be the one who starts it with me and um so she's she's an incredible dancer and she really lets loose and she has so much fun and so dancing with her over the years has been <laughs> a real joy oh, and i, I, I think that she probably lets lets loose the most yeah talking about the women on succession they are so unique i'm mean, jerry shiv willa i mean the sibling's mother lady caroline what stands out for you the most of how the women are written on succession? Oh, man, I feel like they're written with the ferocity that maybe in, on other shows people shy away from, you know? Um, I think that's the main quality that I'm like, wow, you just don't see these women. that They all are just, they're right up there in terms of their intensity and their drive and their power um, in a kind of, in a kind of severe way. They don't shy away. They, they're not these kind of, um, they're not, they're not afraid to have women who are like very centered in their masculine. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I feel like all of us have that quality, even Willa, who's like, um, you know, whole entrance into this family was as a, a sex worker and an escort and kind of like a girlfriend to one of these men. That was like her whole role was being the best date ever to one of the family members. You just feel her sense of kind of poise and agency and kind and that she's she's just as fiery as anyone else, you know, from the very beginning with that moment with Tom where she says like, yeah, well, at least I'm only getting fucked by one member of this family. Yeah. Like she's not afraid to hold her ground and like get right in there. And I feel like all of the women on the show, you know, Natalie Gold, same thing. Zoe Winters this season with, um, uh, with her incredible development as, you know, Carrie, like it's just Jess, they're all really strong women. Um, so it's cool to, um, it's cool. It's it's. I think it's kind of unique that we've got that. It is. I always think about that because you talk a lot about the toxic masculinity on the show, but the, the women are so well-written, well-rounded, and, and can be just as evil and just as mysterious as anyone else. I think that's been a fascinating ride on this 
series. Totally. Yeah. There's nothing, uh, there, there's no shyness. There's no kind of like, we have to posture these women in a certain way because they're women. It's like, no, no, we are just as they, they belong to this cutthroat world. Um, and yeah, they can be just as horrible as the men for sure. People talk about succession a lot. They say, oh, there's no one to root for. These are fundamentally, fundamentally flawed people. And I must be fundamentally flawed because I root for Willa and Connor. I root for Roman. And and why do you think we still do that? At least some of us. Oh, no. I mean, everyone who's watching it, we all can agree that they're all fundamentally flawed. And also we are rooting for them and we have empathy for them and we see some dimension to all of them. And they're um delicious in their horribleness <laughs> you know like all of them have these wildly colorful qualities that you kind of you hitch your ride to just because it's such a joy to watch um and also i feel like you kind of understand they jesse does a really good job of seeing flickers of their pain and the things that they've gone through and the way that they've become the people that they are I mean, I, I feel like I'm constantly going between being like, oh, that person's horrible. And, oh, I kind of feel for that guy. And like Roman last season, it's like one moment I'd be like, he's such a fucking prick. He's such a dick, you know. And then the mo- next moment I'd be like, oh, I feel for him. I see like this kind of child that standing there dealing with his dad. And Wanting I think his dad. Yeah. 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 So I feel like as much as people say they're all vicious, which they are, there's no getting around it. They're horrible they're horrible to each other you also kind of see um you see the whole package you see the whole all the dimensions and it makes it easy to take the ride along with that even even the fact that they're toxic even their toxicity is kind of delicious (laughs) you know one of the many genius of the writing of succession is that you get just enough backstory. Um, There's mystery to everyone. Like who was Tom before you see traces of abuse, like you were saying with Roman, but you don't really know what happens. And with Willa, we know the sex worker part. We know that she takes no bullshit, but can also be so protective. Do you have you made sort of your own backstory for her where you know why she reacts like this? Yeah, I mean, you kind of, that's so funny you say that because I I really agree. There's a whole lot of mystery with Willa and because it's, there's so much um, that's not written and there's so, there's a lot of like space between each of the moments with Connor and Willa and a lot that's unsaid about how she feels. I kind of had to make some decisions about what I wanted to be going on with her, you know, what, how does she feel about him? Because it's a lot of, um, well, on, there's a lot beneath the surface in every moment between Connor and Willa. There's a lot that's not said there. It's like pretty minimal. So I just wanted to say, like, I, I wanted to figure out for myself, well, what's going on here? Because it, I, there's no way that it can be as, um, I have to fill it with something underneath the words. Like there has to be something going on. And so I think sometime, um at the end of the beginning of last season there was a moment where logan was figuring out what all the kids duties were and willa's like well what about con and from that point on i was like okay so now i kind of understand this woman is stepping into a position of like yeah 
you're my, you, you've, you've created a life for me. You've given me all this money. You've kind of like been the supporter for me, but I also have like a lot of agency in terms of like who I am and my, and I'm going to step in here and I'm going to be a little bit of a mama bear with you. Like I'm going to protect, like you see her kind of step into the position of being a protector and that she has affection for Khan and she sees very clearly what's going on in this family and the dynamics between everyone. You know, she's been on the fly on the wall for the first couple of seasons and so she kind of she has a really clear idea of like this this man's history with this family and I felt like okay so this in every moment of this that I can I'm going to be like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna step into being his protector a little bit and even out their relationship a little bit so you see that it is transactional but it's also like there's some intimacy in the transactions and you see her kind of rising into a new position in that relationship. Signorina, per favore, questa macchina? No, no, it's the other one. It's coming, it's coming for you. You okay, Con? Yeah, yeah. Just a little tired. Sorry about the tossing and turning. I just couldn't get the AC right, you know? The AC, yeah, sure. Plus my family hates me. I'm gonna lose ATN to a goddamn Swede, so my campaign is fucked, and you're gonna leave me. And I love you. So, yeah. Yeah, that in the AC. Come on. Con. What? You're a nice man. Right. Thanks. You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. As as in Fuck it. Come on, how bad can it be? Right? <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, we'll have fun. Fuck it, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Mr. Roy. That's your car. Ah, gracias, gracias mille. Fuck it, huh? Fuck it! Fuck it forever! <laughs> the thing that was really cool about it is that it started becoming more and more um, evident in the writing, like the birthday episode, that's a huge part of it. And um, once that was on the table, it really like helped kind of fill out their relationship a little bit more. You do that so well. I mean, I, I've always gotten the feeling as you've progressed with her that she gets protective in her past life. She's seen things that makes her not like to see people get humiliated. Maybe she's been humiliated. Maybe others have been, but she's really sort of steps in. Yeah. I mean, you know, she was, she was a party girl turned escort. So my, my, in my um, imagination, she, you know, was someone who was like starting out with an artistic career in New York, young, really ambitious in terms of like what she wanted out of her um, career. And so she was like, well, I need to provide for myself while I'm doing this because this is a tough one. So I'm going to start dating, you know, these guys for money. So I think, yeah, I think you're right on to something that she probably has dealt with some humiliation, even in this family in the first two seasons, she's oh, 100% the black sheep. She's constantly called out for being a prostitute. She's constantly, you know, um pushed out of the family because of her career and not wanting the family to look bad, not allowed, not, she's not allowed to be in pictures with them. So I think she's, 
and and she handles it all well. She has like such a good deal of resilience in terms of all of that. Like you never really see her kind of wobble or be, um, you never see the humiliation hit her aside from when she gets a bad review, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, so I feel like, yeah, I think that she can name, oh, that, that person's being shamed or that person's being humiliated and I'm going to step in here. And and it's also my partner. So I mean, that's not going to be tolerated. Sorry. Like, yeah. She has such a quiet dignity about her. And I mean, she really moved from, as you were saying, from being Marsha really just rubbing in her past to life as an escort to now being sort of part of the clan, just accepted. She's just always there. Yeah. Yeah. She really hung up <laughs> through all of that. You can feel that they probably have a respect for her that she did. I mean, that she's not afraid of them either. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Like the, the Roman has come out her a handful of times and you kind of just feel her let it roll right off of her back which I think has given her you know position in this family like she's kind of paid her dues and she's around and she still deals with their shit but she you can tell that she's kind of like unfazed do you feel that connor really loves her yeah Yeah. i do i do i do i think she loves him too i mean he's got his own Connor's on a different wavelength, um, clearly. <laughs> and so I think it's it's his version of love. And I almost think it's the first time that he's really like experienced this kind of uh, a thing, you know? So yeah, I think he does love her. I think he's, they're very endeared to each other. And I think that they become companions in a real um, supportive way, strangely <laughs> over this time. And I think that they're both, they both know how much the other person means in terms of their life and what they want their life to be. And so, yeah, I think that it's, is it a perfect love? Is it the kind of love that I would necessarily want? <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. But probably not with um, none of the Roy's. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, it is one of the things where if you imagine, if you imagine being in that life, it's just so stressful. It's just like it riddles me with anxiety watching it and then to imagine being part of the the kind of the stakes that they're constantly in and the turmoil that they're constantly in and the feuds. It's just like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, there's always like two things they're thinking about, like the proposal. He starts beautifully. Will you make me the happiest man? alive basically and then slash a bulletproof candidate <laughs> i mean it, which- totally. yeah i mean that's the thing is none of it is clean like will is you know simultaneously like saying yes and i'll be your partner and also she's using his money for her play and he's saying yes i want to be your partner and simultaneously you'd make really good arm candy on my presidential um campaign like it's kind of all on the table though mm-hmm. which is true you know? Yeah, that's true. It, I mean, she knows what she's getting. <laughs> yeah, and he does too. It's all quite transparent. I mean, there's some levels of like, what is this? And, you know, what, wh- how much do you feel? How much do you not feel? There's some vagueness to it, but also there's a lot of like honesty about what's going on here, you know? I think they could actually make it. Um, the only thing that worries me is if it turns out that she's just writing a play about them. <laughs> That'd be amazing if this whole thing was just Willa's play. It would. I mean, that'd um, be or, a great turn too. But. That's really far out. That's real meta. But you're saying that the whole time she's just been writing a, a play about the family and so it destroyed. Yeah. I mean, she has a first row seat to 
the most powerful family. Funny, there's. I was thinking the same thing last year. I was like sitting there, and she was like, there was at the beginning of the first episode of last season. She had her um, a, a book, a notebook that props gave me that she was like sitting and kind of like writing in. And and meanwhile, there's like all this chaos going on around where they're like changing planes and getting to the airport. And there's like all this kind of. And I was like, is she writing about this? I thought the same thing. Same thing with the republican convention where she's sitting on her phone through the whole event just typing away and like looking around you know going um like what's what's happening here you know with all these eccentric kind of so i've had the same thought throughout this i'm like is she writing about this what's going on but i guess you'll just have to wait and see see. yeah (laughs) but what is their power the position that they have will and connor going into season four now well i mean (laughs) I feel like their position is they just got engaged. So now they're kind of like, you know, they're she's officially part of the Roy family in some capacity, like a more formal capacity. We know that he's making a run for it. We don't know how successfully it's going. I'd say that we're pretty low on the totem pole <laughs> in terms of our status in this family. I think anyone could agree based on the last three seasons they're kind of like you know the little like doddlers at the back of the line well maybe they need a romantic wedding for publicity i know maybe they need a romantic wedding i don't know (laughs) you'll see (laughs) you've worked with some i mean incredible shows and showrunners i mean you've worked with david e kelly amy sherman paladino noah bombach um but talk about what the brits what the sensibility is that they bring Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian jiu-jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information to the perspective that they bring to succession. I mean, I just love the Brits. I feel like they're incredibly, their sense of humor is my favorite. You know, I love like a dry sense of humor. I guess that there is some level of repression that they're all self-admittedly like, you know, they're, they all kind of characterize themselves as like an incredibly repressed culture. So there's something about them putting all of this steam into the show. That's like this like fiery unbridled, like just like shit show that I, I imagine that maybe they get their kicks out through their writing a little bit, you know, that there's some sort of catharsis <laughs> in writing about these like terrible people that are so different from the people that they are, who are like kind of like, they're all like very like kind and like mild mannered and like sweethearts. And then you see them right these characters that are just like atrociously terrible to each other I've always loved a British sensibility comedically and I also think that there's something British and this might just be like a generalization but there's something British about like 
getting out while it's still really good. You know what I mean? Like they don't really, I feel like the office did a really good job of that as well. I think they know when to call it and they know how to tell a story and they don't just like keep on pushing it just for the sake of creating more content. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily Brits or if it's Jesse in particular and his team, but yeah, I think the quality of work is just like amazing and I love them all. And I don't know what, what exactly is them being British and what's them being amazing people. But um, yeah, I love all of them and I'm, I'm sad to leave them. I've talked to a few of your fellow actors and colleagues. I mean, it seems like a very special on set environment, basically like a play. You have cameras on you on the time and really long takes. So no one knows who the camera is on when they're speaking and you're reacting you don't know when the camera's actually on you. Talk a little bit about that. And what's that like for an actor? Oh, it's so dreamy. It just like keeps you constantly involved and engaged. And honestly, if you look back and watch, most of my part is just reaction <laughs> shots. <laughs> you know, like, Willa, I feel like that it's been a blessing for me in particular, because a lot of like my, a lot of what Willa does is just sit and watch this family and like respond to like everything she's seeing. So It's also been cool to feel like, oh, okay, I have a part in this, even when I'm not speaking, you know. Um, You have the best reactions. (laughs) So nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, what the? (laughs) I have a lot of fun, especially, honestly, it's, it's so perfect that a lot of, that I'm also paired with Connor, who's like the most outlandish that it's like, like watching my partner just like drive himself into a fire or something like that. It's just like the most bizarre. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, it's just been a joy. It's like, they feel like members of the cast, the camera, the cameraman or the camera ops, they feel like they're uh, another character in the scene. And if you watch it back, you see that like, they know how they land a lot of the jokes. Like they'll, they're, they're listening so intently that they'll, they'll hear something that someone improvises or someone says, and they'll just like know exactly where to turn to land it. Um, And so it like makes a lot of it work. Like just seeing their artistry, you feel that they add a whole new element um, of expression to the show. And there's some stuff in this last season that, um, that they just, they did incredibly long takes for incredibly long. Like they didn't stop the whole time. And I remember watching it and I was off camera and I was watching them kind of roll in and film. And then they like run out of film because they're also doing it on film, which is a whole nother thing. It's like incredible. They're working these machines and it's like, so they would, they would finish their film and then they'd pull back and another camera op would pull in while they're changing out their film. And it felt like this incredible dance. Um, and I started crying and <laughs> on set in the middle of the scene, I, just watching it, it was so moving. And you're you really feel their importance on this set. So aside from it just being a real treat as a, an actor to feel like, okay, I'm constantly in this, I'm constantly engaged in this scene. And um, it really does make it feel like you can do anything. You can move anywhere. There's like a certain level of spontaneity that it allows. So it's just such a treat as an actor, but then also just for the finished product, you really feel like, oh man, this, this takes the show to another level, having these camera ops and RDP on this team. 
And I know that you guys have worked a lot with different consultants among that consultants, sort of wealthy people, <laughs> that wealthy people don't need coats because they just run from their car and in and things like that. We've learned from reading about succession and talking to people. What has surprised you about sort of the habits of the very, very, very uber rich? There's one scene where um, Shiv gets into, goes from like traveling in it across like cost cross countries traveling and she walks out of her car and she's carrying nothing but her purse and i was like where is her luggage and then you're like oh right she doesn't do that <laughs> she doesn't do that like she doesn't need luggage <laughs> um so that was shocking um the private jet, everybody kept on saying PJ, PJ, PJ. I was like, what the heck is PJ? Why are we referencing PJ all the time? And then I was like, oh, private jet. Oh, that's not the what pajamas. We're no, <laughs> getting into our PJ. I was like, what is a PJ? Pajamas? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, no, we're talking about their private jet that they fly everywhere in. Um, yeah, there's like all these little things that kind of you flag is like so different than anything that I've ever, you know, experienced as a layman in this world. But on top of that, just like, you know, I've been exposed to some of the most beautiful places in the world and mm. gotten to kind of live the life of someone who could afford to do that. Not to the extent that this family does, but, you know, go to these incredible places, work on a yacht where you're like jumping off the boat at the end of the day and swimming like it's insane. Um, and I'm constantly having to remind myself that this is probably the mountaintop in terms of this like, type of luck while shooting. I've heard about you from colleagues and from us that you're really, really a great scene partner. Um, and I understand so that I your first scene partner was your brother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like uh, he would barely call it scene partner. I would like basically just film things and throw him into the shot and be like, okay, now's your turn to do that thing. <laughs> but he honestly, most of his job when we were younger, most of his jobs um, revolved around being the camera off. So I would, I would basically like be like, okay, we're going to make a movie now and you're going to shoot it. And what's funny is he's now a DP and a camera oh, well. op <laughs> actress. So we really had something going. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, this was a passion for you from early, early age. And you've worked, as I mentioned with, with some of the best and among others you've been directed by Philip Seymour Hoffman what did he teach you what was that like Phil uh taught me it's an interesting question Phil taught me a lot about work ethic how to be relentless within your job not to stop working in terms of discovering more and he was incredible. Honestly, he also taught me a lot about like relating the work to your life. Um, we did like a full month of table work before we started um, rehearsing the play where we just sat there with the script and went over every single page of the piece and basically like pulled it apart. And everyone would talk about like their relation to the scene or a memory that they had that reminded them that they were reminded of while we while they were reading the scene or um, a relationship they had that felt familiar while they were reading the play. And that was amazing. And and as he was going through the process, I would just watch him and listen to him talk about the way that he was finding his way through the play. And I, you just felt how he's just such a giant of a person. He had such an emotional connection to 
life. Um, you just felt his sensitivity. You felt how much he cared. You felt his passion. You felt his fire. And it also, honestly, I, I also, in full transparency, I just felt how much pain he was in as well as an artist. And I think it also taught me about boundaries that I have within myself in terms of how much I want to give to a process and the pain that sometimes comes with the process. And so it, I, I mean, it happened when I was 23 or 20, I was in my early twenties and walking away from that play. I also, on top of everything that I learned about the work, I also learned about where I'd want to draw the line with the work and my happiness and what I want to be like as a person outside of the work. And I'm sure that Phil had his ebbs and flows with the job in terms of how he, you know, felt about it and approached it. And there are times that I'm sure he was incredibly joyful around what he was working on. But I also just felt like that, you know, he felt very like he was in a lot of pain and I was, and I think a lot of that was due to his connection and his devotion to the parts that he was playing. And I just kind of, I walked away going, okay, like that was also a lesson for me, you know, um, internalizing of the pain. Yeah. And that I just need to be able to like put as much effort as I can into it and care as much as I can and also prioritize my mental health, which is, I think something that not a lot of people talk about in this profession. We don't really talk about the actor's mental health and there's kind of a romanticizing around method and putting yourself into these parts and um, really like going there and some of these really, really dark experiences the characters are having. And I feel like there's very little, there's very little awareness of, of how to, or, or <laughs> there's not, not much goes into addressing how to take care of yourself and your mental health and these kinds of jobs. And that that's also important if you want to live a long life and have a lot of longevity in this career. Undoubtedly, my thought goes to Jeremy Strong because you met him around this time of the play with Philip Seymour mm -hmm. Hoffman, I understand. And he, from what we have learned, has gone the other direction. I mean, he seems very method. Um, do you worry about him or is does he? can he take it in a different way? I don't worry about Jeremy. I don't. I don't. I think he's okay. You know, I think everybody has their own opinions about Jeremy and his work ethic or, or, you know, his process and how it affects the work and how it affects his relationships on the show. And I kind of feel like, you know, you see what he's doing. It's an incredible character. Kendall Roy is like, it's, it's remarkable what he's done. And I actually like, I don't, you know, I've heard Brian be like, oh, he's tortured and I worry about Jeremy. And for some reason, I don't look at Jeremy and worry about if he's okay or not. You know, I think I'm sure that he could do it without all that. I'm sure <laughs> he's so skilled and talented that I'm like, I think you don't need to do all this, but it's also like different strokes for different folks. And like, if he needs to do that, then he needs to do that. And he's doing such an incredible job that it's like, you know, this is just my my feeling about it and what I need to do for myself. And he's dealing with some really heavy stuff. So I couldn't do that. I know I couldn't. And I don't know Jeremy, but he seems to have a good family and he lives in Denmark. I mean, it's, he seems to be working oh my both God. sides very well. So I'm not worried about him either without knowing anything. <laughs> His wife is one of the most delightful humans I've ever met. She's like remarkably cool and kind. And I've even said to her, I'm like, whoa, you really, how do you do this? <laughs> like, how <laughs> 
you know, he's so committed. I think he's like self-admittedly like, you know, he's he's like one hot he's in the job when he's in the job and she they have children and she's just like a really incredible supportive partner and a really cool woman i really like her and she's got her own thing going on too um she's working on a lot of projects as well so emma's great shout out (laughs) shout out to emma (laughs) so like rupert murdoch he's 92 he's getting married for the fifth time trump has his legal things. I mean, the uber billionaires are still going strong. The end of succession, what is sort of the meaning of it? What what does it say about our world for you? Man, it's so funny because I have a really strong answer, but it's very much tied to something that happens this season. I will say that I think that Jesse does a really good job of summing up like what, yeah, of what what this series is about. And... When I saw it on the page, I started crying because I was just like, this is it. This is what he's trying to say. And I hope everybody walks away feeling the same thing. But I it's knew a really he would nail it. <laughs> yeah, he nailed it. And I don't want to give too much away, but I just feel like he says it so eloquently and it comes out in just the right way. And uh, yeah, I feel like after watching this season, I have a very, very strong idea of what he was trying to to do with this show and what he was trying to say about this part of our culture. What about for you personally that it's ending? Terrible. It's terrible. I mean, I've said this before, but like we've been working on it for six years. I started the show when I was 27 years old. I'm 33. That's like a massive, you know, as a woman, it's like a totally, I feel like I went from being like a a girl, relatively like a girl into like a woman. And it's a huge arc in my life um this show and the relationships on it have kind of fostered all the growth that's happened in those six years I feel really close to everybody some more than others I mean my there's several women on this show that are now I would call them like some of my best friends um so personally it's it's really really hard to say goodbye you know um artistically like I trust Jesse Armstrong so intrinsically he's got his finger on the pulse of the show so strongly he knows what it is and he's never led us astray so far that that I I really do feel like it was the right choice you know like not that even matters but I I read it and I'm like I've seen what we've done I've seen what he wrote and the writers and I really trust him and it feels like the best version of this story I mean it feels really solid so as heartbreaking as it is personally um, and artistically, because, you know, I don't, who can be on a show? Like how many times can you be on a show like this in your life? I don't think that they come, you know, it's few and far between these opportunities. So of course it's also like, you know, sad to say goodbye to this quality of material, but the relationships and showing up and having them there all the time, it's going to be tough. Are you satisfied with Willa's arc? What happens for her? Yeah, it's perfect. Is it? Yeah, perfect. (laughs) What's next for you? I'm working on a job now, but I'm not allowed to say what it is. Everything's so secretive now. Yes, everything's so secretive. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It's like, okay, nobody really cares. So it's weird that we're making it into this really big secret. But yeah, I'm working on something now. Yeah, I know. But it's like, so it's like weird that it's like a, a 
level of like secrecy around the whole thing. But yeah, it's, I'm excited about it. I think it will be a good show. It's a show. Um, I think it will be, I think it will be really good. I'm having fun doing it. And um, I think it's a nice new chapter. It's a lot more, it's a, a light vibe and a different kind of a part for me. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. Okay. Last question. Favorite scene from the three seasons we've seen? Either you were in it or you weren't. <laughs> oh my God. There's so many good ones. I mean, I love, oh man, I feel like I, can I do a few? Can I do a yes, few? Please. Okay. Um, I love, I mean, I'm just going to do them from the last season because I just rewatched that season. I love when Tom finds out he's off the hook and not going to jail and <laughs> throws the desk. I mean, anything Matthew McFadden does, the whole thing about like, I'm only, I like Logan's never gotten fucked. So I'm going to stick with Logan. That whole scene outside the diner is amazing. The scene between Brian and Jeremy in um, the last part of last season where they had the dinner in Italy oh, well, Logan together. Logan makes his son eat the, try the mozzarella. Or, oh. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, he calls in Kendall's son and says like, mm. eat this. It's just amazing. Um, the, you are my onion scene with Harriet and Shiv is incredible. And then I would say the scene between Shiv and Tom where they're role-playing, um, and her, her way of role-playing is to say, I don't, I don't love you. (laughs) I don't love you, but you keep on wanting me. And even though, you know, I don't love you. And like that scene hits so hard every time I've seen it, it's just so intense. But my God, there's so many. Oh, the Roman dick pic scene is amazing. <laughs> Some of the best, like, not, there's no speaking to him in that entire scene where he's like, knows that his dad has just figured out that he sent this dick pic to Jerry. And he doesn't say a word, but you see everything. You see everything. It's just so, I mean, that's the thing about the show, though. I mean, like, that's just the last two episodes I'm talking about, scene after scene that are just like, the best scene, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, when we got to see Connor with the bread knife, really in Italy, there really assert himself, and you know, finally just sort of say, "I am the oldest brother." Never forget that. That no, was and really powerful. <laughs> I know. I I will say also, you know, Alan. I just want to go on the record. Alan is a genius. Alan's a genius. I read the things that he writes at times, or I mean, the things that are written for him, and he's so easily delivers these far out lines that no one notices like i mean people notice but like it, it it's it's so easy for him to say these things that you don't even notice how far out they are that like no one else could deliver the things that connor says like in the way that he does alan is a comic genius so like any scene that alan is in i just am like i'm floored i think he's incredible i think he's not only just the best scene partner, but I love watching him and I'm excited for him this season. And I feel like it's like on the record now with all these reviews that he's like getting his moment in the sun. And to me, he's always been in the sun. I've always, I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible guy and just a fantastic actor, but I'm, I'm excited that he's gotten this much real estate this season. Um, And I'm going to miss him so much. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> uh, the two of you together are just magic. So um, we're going to miss you guys too, just as viewers. Um, thank, thank you so much, Justine. This is amazing. And thank you for this show. And um, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. I'm excited too. And I hope you enjoy it. And thanks again for asking to talk. This was great. <laughs> Thank you so much to Justine Loop for joining me. The last season of Succession premieres on HBO this Sunday. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Pop Culture Confidential is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. See you next time. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories, I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.